Thank you for the privilege of being with you today. And I want to thank you for the support that uh, this church, uh, this congregation has been uh, to Samaritan's Purse uh, for 30 years, uh, taking uh, many projects around the world. Uh, we, we just couldn't have done many of them without you. So I'm very grateful. I want to thank you uh, for all that you have done uh, for us. Uh, my, uh, my father sends greetings. He's 90, 93. His mind is still very, very sharp. Uh, he just moves slow. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll try to get him to uh, come and uh, go do something. Like I'll go down to see him and I'll say, Dad, let's go get a hamburger. Oh, I think I'll just stay here today, son. Oh, come on. You, you need to get out of the house anyway. Let's, let's go get a hamburger. Oh, I think I'll just stay here today, son. Um, oh, come on, Daddy. Let's go. Then he'll have this kind of half-disgusted look, and he'll look at me, and he'll say, wait till you're 93. Uh, so, <laughs> but he's, he's, doing, uh, he's doing well. He uh, uh, finished a book last year called Nearing Home. It's done quite well. Uh, and th- these are just thoughts, I mean, things that he's learned from uh, being in his 90s. He never thought he had lived to be so old. <laughs> And so that's, uh, he says, Frank, I just never dreamed I'd be so old. He said, I, I just want to write down things that I have learned. I wasn't prepared for this. He said, I've been prepared to die, but no one prepared me to be old. And uh, he said, I want, uh, I want to write down what I've learned. So he did, and it's done very well. And so now he's working on another book uh, on salvation. So he hopes to have that uh, book uh, finished. Well, I don't give dates anymore when he's going to finish it because... Um, Sometimes uh, we don't make those dates, but we hope to have this book finished sometime later this summer. And uh, he, he works on it a little bit uh, each day. But he sends his greetings, to, uh, and he loves this part of the world. Of course, this is uh, where he met my mother just a few miles down the road, and his early ministry and everything was here. Uh, President Obama came to see my father uh, uh, back uh, last year. And uh, when the president came, it was interesting, uh, the president... Uh, invited Daddy to come to Asheville where he was staying at the Grove Park Inn. And, and Daddy uh, just said, well, listen, I, I don't want to go in town. Uh, uh, if he wants to come here, I'll certainly invite him. So I invited him to come have coffee with him. So the president came. And the um, president was a little nervous. And I, I don't know if he thought Daddy was going to scold him or... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, he came and he was nervous. And so my father was seated in the living room, and I met the president at the front door and took him back to uh, see my father. And we were sitting there, and my father could sense that he was nervous. He said, you know, Mr. President, you and I have something in common. And he said, well, Dr. Graham, what's that? He said, Chicago. And the president looked at him and said, oh, really? He said, yes. He said, my ministry. He said, I went to school outside of Chicago. My ministry, everything started in that area. And, of course, your political career, Mr. President, that's where it started. We have something in common. Well, the president kind of relaxed a little bit, and he talked about Chicago. And when that conversation kind of got thin and not much left in it, uh, my father said, well, Mr. President, I noticed you played golf, and you were on my favorite golf course yesterday. Well, Mr. Dr. Graham, I didn't realize you played golf. Yes, I did when I was younger, and they talked about golf. And uh, so my father has a lot of memories about, of course, this area of the country. And so much uh, came out of here for his ministry. 
and he's so grateful, and uh, I know he wishes he could be here today. Um, let me just say something about the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Many people wonder, okay, w- what is the BGA today? What's, uh, what's, what are you all doing? We still do crusades. I uh, was this, uh, preaching this time last week in Ghana in West Africa, and uh, a couple weeks from now we'll be in Eastern Europe. Uh, holding uh, two, two, two crusades there and then coming back uh, uh, to preach in Rochester, New York. So we, we still do evangelistic uh, preaching. We still do crusades. But in the last uh, few years, uh, we decided to do something that we've never done before, and that is to take my father's telecast, which we've used here in this country. And, of course, when my father was on television, uh, back in those days, you only had three opportunities in a, in a community. You could watch ABC or NBC or CBS, and that was it. So if my father went into a market and bought uh, at least two of the stations, uh, you turn the TV on and you go, oh, gee, there's Billy Graham. I don't want to watch him. And you turn the channel. <laughs> oh, no, he's on this one, too. You know, so um, uh, you, could, uh, you could get a, a big part of the country. Well, today you have hundreds of stations uh, on cable markets. And so um, we don't have those kind of opportunities that we did uh, 20 years ago. But what we've decided is we can go into uh, other countries where you don't have these cable markets, and you can, you can buy time on national television uh, fairly inexpensively. And so we've been taking my father's uh, telecast. We've been editing him and making new telecasts out of them. So we put testimonies from the local language. We put music groups from the local uh, uh, area. And then we take my father and we lip-sync him into that particular language. So it's almost word perfect, okay? I mean, sometimes his lips are a little out of sync, but, you know, it's kind of hard when you're doing uh, Swahili or Bengali or uh, Tamil or Hindu or Hindi. So it's, um, but it's pretty close. And so um, the Pentecostals, they see this and, and they love it, okay? Because they, they, they now really believe my father uh, has a, a, a unique gift. But we've been able to, to go into uh, over 57 countries. And what we do is we take these telecasts, and we put them on the air, but then we go to churches and ask churches to sign up and for churches uh, to open up their homes and ask people to be willing to take some training. And we train them on how to give an invitation and then train them how to, to put together a prayer list and begin to pray for their unsaved friends and relatives. And then the night that we put the program on TV, to invite them into their home for a meal, have a meal, and then, oh, by the way, a friend of ours, Dr. Billy Graham, is going to be on television tonight. Let's watch. Well, you'd be a little rude if you'd say, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch, I want to watch baseball tonight. I, you're not going to say that. You'll say, well, okay, so you watch. And at the end of the telecast, the host will turn off the television, and they'll turn and say, well, you've heard Dr. Graham, and this is the reason I brought you here tonight. I wanted you to hear what God has done for you, that God loves you, and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take your sins. And he died on a cross. He was buried, and God raised him to life, and he can come into your heart right now. And as Dr. Graham has asked, how many of you would like to invite Christ into their heart? And every home, there's always two, maybe three people who will accept Christ. And we've done this now in 57 countries. And in the last uh, eight years, we've seen uh, a little over 10.6 million people make decisions for Christ around the world. And you say, well, how do you count them? Well, every home uh, that uh, has been trained 
uh, they have our material, and we give that material, and the person writes down their name, and the person who made a decision for Christ, they turn those cards into their church. The church collects those cards, turn them into our local office in that country, and then they uh, forward them on to us. So we want to follow up with everyone. And my father is going to be 95, 2013, uh, November the 7th. He said, Franklin, I think God's going to let me live to be 95. I said, really? And on his 90th birthday, he invited everybody to come back to his 95th birthday. So this is in his mind, okay? He's going to make it to 95. So I'm not going to argue with him. Uh, I think he's in better health today than he was a few years ago. Uh, He just is slow, all right? But his mind is super sharp. I mean, he doesn't miss a thing. And so we thought, well, this, this program that we have taken around the world, we call it My Hope. And we've done this now in 50, I think, seven countries. Uh, Let's do it here in the United States. What would happen if we got thousands and thousands and thousands of churches across this country to be willing to sign up for people to be trained, begin to develop a prayer list, praying for their unsaved friends and relatives, then on November the 7th to invite them to their home to have a meal, and then to turn the TV on and say, we have a, tonight is Billy Graham's 95th birthday. And uh, they've got a special program. Let's watch it. Well, your friends aren't going to be rude. Maybe some of them, you know, but most of them will probably say, okay, yeah, we'll watch. And they'll watch and you, they'll hear the gospel preached. And you'll be able to turn off that, that television. And remember, you've been praying for your friends. And when you mix prayer with the gospel, God answers. And uh, you might see two or three of your friends get saved in your home. And if this could happen across this country, we could see many, many tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands uh, who would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Our, our nation needs Christ. Uh, there is no hope for America. The Republicans aren't going to solve the problems. The Democrats aren't going to solve the problems. We are, we are spinning out of control. And the only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we need a revival in America. And so pray with us uh, as we begin to put this uh, program. It's called My Hope, and we're going to start that. Uh, and that will be, be on November the 7th, 2013, but we'll start that this summer. But at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, our, our goal is evangelism. Now, people ask me about Samaritan's Purse. Well, Franklin, what's the difference between Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? There ain't no difference. You all say ain't up here, don't you? Well, you know, it's a southern thing. Both are evangelism. I believe that when, when somebody is down in the ditch along life's road and you stop and help them and uh, you get them on their way, they're going to listen to what you have to say. And so you've got an opportunity then to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some people will say, well, Franklin, that's, you're taking advantage Absolutely, I'm going to take advantage. No question about it. I'm not going to take advantage of a person for what I can gain for myself. I'm not going to do that. But am I going to take advantage of an opportunity? You betcha I'm going to take advantage of an opportunity to tell a person about God's Son. So whether it's Samaritan's person, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, it's the same thing. It's about taking the gospel. And the gospel 
is a very simple message, okay? The gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ is God's son. The gospel is the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shouldn't perish, but should have everlasting life. The gospel is that God sent his son to take our sins, that he died on a cross, he shed his blood for our sins, and that he was buried for our sins, and that God raised him to life. Now, there's Holy Spirit-filled power in that message alone. If you leave part of that message out, it cuts the power out of it. Now, for a lot of people, they say, but Franklin, this is, this is pretty radical stuff here. I mean, you're saying that some guy died for your sins 2,000 years ago. Well, how are they going to, they won't believe that. And you say that he died and shed his blood on a cross. Well, Franklin, that's, you know, blood, that, that's kind of gross. You want to talk about that? And, and then you say that he, he died and he was buried and he rose again. Well, Franklin, they won't believe that. Now, for, what you've got to do, Franklin, is you've got to kind of ease into this, you know. Uh, you, you don't want to offend them. Well, let me tell you something. The cross is an offense, okay? The gospel is an offense. When you tell a person that they're a sinner, you offend them, but it's the truth. When you tell a person that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, it offends them. When you tell them that there's no other way to God except through Christ, you offend them. When you tell them that Christ took your sins and he died on the cross for their sins, it offends them. But when you tell them that he rose from the grave and he's alive and he can come into the heart... It offends them, but it's the truth. But God takes this truth, he takes this message, and he drives it home into the hearts of people. The gospel is true. Every word of it is true. And so what we do is we take this message, whether it's Samaritan's Purse or the Billy Graham Association and all these fine partners that you have here, our goal is to take this gospel message to the ends of the earth. We don't back off. We don't back up. We don't retreat. We tell people the truth because it's either heaven or it's hell. It's just that simple. It's either heaven or hell. And Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And the Bible says, no man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God except through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what we preach. And we don't apologize. We're not ashamed. That's what we do. That's who we are, okay? So every now and then we, we tick people off. You all say tick up here when you get mad? Well, I guess I don't know. But we, we tick people off. But uh, that's fine. I don't go around wanting to kick people in the shins and make them mad. I just want to tell them the truth. Because it's either heaven or hell. Every one of us has a soul, okay? Every one of us has a spirit. And every one of us in this room has a date with death. And my question is, are you prepared? Are you ready to stand before a living God? Because we'll have to stand before Him and give an account to Him one day. I want to look at a passage of Scripture. And then I'll shut up. Um, Luke chapter 13. Now, uh, verses 1, Luke 13. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they had suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you'll all perish. Here's a little glimpse that Jesus tells of some suffering that had taken place 
And there were some Galileans who Pilate must have executed, and they had probably come to Jerusalem for their, their sacrifice at the temple, and for whatever reason, he takes them and he cuts them up and he mixes their blood with their, their sacrifice. And Jesus says, do you think that these guys were more bigger sinners or worse sinners than all the others because they suffered this way? He says, no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. And then he talks about this tower that was under construction and uh, the contractors or whoever was building it um, uh, didn't shore it up properly. And this tower gets up so high and then it falls over and 18 people are killed. Are these people more guilty Because they suffered in such a way. He says, no, but unless you repent, you too shall perish. And here's the thing. Every one of us has this date with death. Every one of us here. And but unless we repent of our sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, we will perish. Absolutely. Now, I'm 60 years old this year. I don't don't know when I'm going to die. I might might be dead this afternoon on my way home or going across the street to McDonald's. I don't know. But I know that I've got a date with death. And it's coming for each and every one of us. And are you ready? Are we prepared to stand before a living God? Uh, Have we repented of our sins? There's another passage of Scripture I want to take your attention to. Um, Because people ask me when when these storms happen in life, when these bad things happen, uh, is God angry? Is God mad? No. But unless you repent... We will perish as well. And we took over, look over to Matthew chapter 8. Verses uh, 23. When he got into the boat and his disciples followed him without warning, a ferocious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown, he replied. Oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. You see, we we have these storms. We have these bad things that happen to good people in life, and people ask why. Um, I was uh, in the Nuba Mountains two weeks ago. Uh, this is an area in the south, uh, it's in the north of Sudan. And it's an area, it's a pocket in the center part of the country, and it's a mountainous area. And it's Christian and Muslim, but they're black Africans. And the, the Muslim Arabs in the north are trying to exterminate this pocket of Christian and Muslims, Muslims killing Muslims and Muslims killing Christians because of the color of their skin. And there's about uh, 800,000 to a million of them, all right? And they're surrounded. Uh, and there's only one little way you can get in. So um, Greta Van Susteren, I took her. I don't know if she's with Fox News. I don't know how many of you all watch her on Fox at night. She's on 10 o'clock Eastern time. I don't know what she's on here. But uh, Greta wanted to go. So I said, okay, Greta, we'll go. And uh, we flew, uh, got to Juba. Then we had other airplane. We have, a, we have cargo planes there. And we flew up to a little place called Yeta. It's uh, so just a, a strip that we have carved out in the, in the bush there in Africa. And there's a, about 20,000 refugees from the Nuba Mountains that have come down. And we feed them and help them and have some medicine for them. And 
Then from there, I drove Greta for 12 hours up through the bush. And not on the roads. The roads are all mined, and the, and the uh, northern army is shelling those roads. So we had a, just a back trail through the bush that we went. And we had an armed escort by the, by the guerrilla army in the north, and they took us into the north. And there we saw people living in caves. We saw people hiding in rocks fearing because of the bombers that come over top of them and drop bombs on them and the the MiG fighter planes that are strafing the villages. And while we were there, we heard the the bombers go over and people would would run into the rocks screaming uh, as these bombers would come over. And so uh, they live in constant fear and they're being slaughtered and there's there's just an annihilation of these people. And they're good people. Uh, And it breaks your heart. Greta had never seen anything like it. It broke her heart. And she's been talking about it as much as she can and trying to get politicians to listen to these people that are dying. Bad things happen in this world. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen. But unless we we repent, we're going to perish one day. And here is an example Jesus gives of, of, of of the guys getting into a boat. And the disciples are heading across the lake. Jesus is in the back of the boat. And all of a sudden, something bad begins to happen. A storm suddenly comes up without warning. And it slams them. And now the, the waves are coming up. And, and I'm sure the guys had a conversation. Hey, let's turn back. Well, we can't turn. If we turn sideways to these waves, they'll capsize us. Keep, keep the boat going straight into the and Keep the bow right in the waves. And let's see if we can get through this thing. And the waves became so ferocious that now they were breaking over the boat. And these seasoned sailors, these fishermen, knew it was over. And they knew that they were about to drown and there was no hope. And so they go back and they wake up the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said, Lord, save us. Save us. We're about to drown. Save us. Now, I don't know what other conversations Jesus had with these guys. I mean, the Bible says that he rebukes them and ye of little faith. I'm sure it was, listen here, you idiots. (laughs) Don't you realize I'm in the boat with you? You think this boat, if it sinks, you think we're going to drown? I'm in the boat. Don't you realize that we can skip across these waves? We don't even need the boat. I'm in the boat with you. What are you afraid of? You of little faith. Oh, be quiet. And he rebukes the wind and the waves, and and it's immediately, instantly calm. (laughs) I love it. He's in the boat. He's in the boat. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we don't have to worry about it. He's in our boat. And whatever storms that we hit in life, and there's storms, okay? Uh, as a pastor, I, I, I deal with marriage issues, people that, that have sicknesses uh, and going through storm children that, that, that are not following with the Lord and breaking the hearts of their parents. And so and there's all kinds of storms out there that we find ourselves in. And um, I deal with real storms like t- tornadoes and where people have lost absolutely everything. I was in Kansas last year and uh, this one tornado came through and just leveled this town and here was a lady out in her yard and she was an elderly lady and she was picking up stuff. I said, ma'am, I said, is, is this your home? And uh, 
She, uh, she called me Sonny. Yeah, Sonny. Yeah. It's my home. I said, were you here when that tornado hit? She said, she said I sure was. I said, um, where were you? And the house was completely gone except just what was left of one wall. She said, I was in that, where that wall is, there was a closet there. She said, I was in the closet. And she said, when I saw the tornado coming, she said, I grabbed my Bible and my cell phone. And she said, I went in that closet, closed the door, and I began to pray. I said, what did you pray? <laughs> she was a little, a little embarrassed, and she said, all I could say was, oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy. <laughs> I said, well, that's a prayer. <laughs> And she said, my house blew down, she said, except for that closet. And she said, I tried to get out. She said, I couldn't. She said, but I had my cell phone. My son lived across town. I got the cell phone. I called my son. He came over and about, it took him about an hour and a half to come through the rubble. But when he got there, he had his chainsaw and he cut me out of that closet. <laughs> we don't know when the storms are going to come in our life. We don't, do we? But... Is he in our boat? Is the Lord Jesus Christ in our boat? Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, I'm the truth and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. Now, some people will say, well, Franklin, how about the, the Hindu people out there? Or how about them Buddha people? <laughs> or how about people that worship uh, Islam? I mean, how about these people? If a Muslim wants to come to Christ, he's going to have to come through, or come to God, he'll have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. If a, if a Hindu wants to come to God, he's going to have to come to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way, okay? There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ and Him alone because there's no one else in history who has taken the sins of mankind. Only one person, and that's God's Son, Jesus Christ. He took our sins. He died on that cross. He shed His blood. He was buried for our sins, but God raised him to life. And this is our hope. Is he in your boat? I was 22 years old when I got on my knees one night and I confessed my sins and I asked God to forgive me and I invited Christ to come into my heart. That, that night, God forgave Franklin Graham, not because who my daddy or my mom or anything like that. It's because I was a sinner who confessed my sins and asked God to forgive me and I received by faith what Jesus Christ did on that cross. That night, God forgave me. The Lord Jesus Christ is in my boat. And regardless of what storms I'm going to run into, and I know that one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to face death. Death is coming for me one day. But I know when they put my body in the ground, I know that my soul is going to go up. And I'm going to be in the presence of Almighty God because the Lord Jesus Christ is in my boat. So I don't have any fears. I don't have any worries. I know that there will be storms ahead. Okay? But if he's in your boat, you don't have to worry about these storms because you know what's going to be on the other side. A complete calm when we're in the presence of Almighty God for eternity. And so these, these mission partners that you have here that, that, that stood out here just a moment ago, these men and women are representing you into places you can never go. Okay? They're there. They're, they are your voice. They're your eyes. They're your feet. They're your hands. Support them. Back them. So that they can do what God has called them to do. We only on this earth for just a, a little time, just a little wind of time, and then it's gone. Invest it in these men and women. So we can take this gospel message to the ends of the earth. There's no greater message. There's storms. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, there's all kinds of trials out there, yeah. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he's in our boat. You put your faith and trust in him, he's in the boat. And there's nothing you have to worry about when he's in the boat. And you just make sure he's in the boat. God bless you. Thank you.